Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. <laughs> uh, so I get I, I get a kick out of that because uh, that's awesome. It, I love it. It, it. it reminds me of uh, Get Smart, you know, uh, that comedy show back from the 1960s. You know, uh, back then he he had a you know his spy equipment, but it was really bizarre stuff. So you know, he, nobody had a cell phone but him. But his cell phone, he walked around in his. It was the talking shoe, you know. So it was so hilarious. So when every time I see talk shoe, I'm like, oh my god, it's, it's those guys again. So, um, so uh, today is uh, February twelfth, two thousand It is uh, two days before Valentine's Day. This is session one of your qualifying men program, uh, and uh, it's me and the, the doctor here. So, uh, if you hear me say "What's up, doc?" I'm just it's, it's out of love uh, for you. <laughs> Out of you and Buzz Bunny, you know. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's funny because I was thinking about that too. I was thinking to myself, well, you know, what's up, Doc? Um, you know, I, sometimes I wonder if you give yourself enough permission to actually really be a doctor, even if you may not have everything operating the way um, you know a, a typical doctor would be. Uh, it's it sometimes seems like you don't give yourself permission to be that great. It's very true. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I call you Doctor. That's why the name of this call series is, you know, Dr. Leslie's QM call stand for qualifying men. And uh, you're going to be a doctor to me whether you like it or not, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Just, just, just get used to it, my dear. So... <laughs> All right, so uh, once you get out of the uh, introductory call that you listen to, yeah, um, it it was I was really you know on my t- on the edge of my seat when you were announcing the the things that guys look for, and I'm like, am I doing that? You know, <laughs> um, and emotionally safe was um, interesting to me because on it, it was a, I mean I don't normally PMS. And I don't, I, I've never really noticed that being a thing for me. And then this whole situation with me is convoluted with a guy who's grieving. And so he felt safe enough at the beginning of our date to tell me, and I was really excited to see him and see me, he's fun and all these things. And I've seen him grieve before, but not like at the beginning of the date. So I think my ego was attached to wanting what I wanted. And what I got is the very first thing that came out of his mouth when we're sitting at dinner was, yeah, I've been in a fog lately, or like a haze, and I, I, like, and he, I could tell he was still grieving, and my eyes, like, welled up, like, really, and then he said to me, does this happen with your patients, and obviously it doesn't, and I said, I just said no, and I, I quickly, you know, like, got back to, you know, not, you know, I, I wasn't out of control emotionally, but I, I, it was my empathy and it was also my sadness for me, like, oh, this guy's still grieving. Like, like the little, the person to me who wants what she wants is, like, sad for her that she, she's still there. That there's still maybe, I don't know if it's the triangle with his, with Samantha, the girl that committed suicide or what, but it, 
it kind of was, that's what the sadness was twofold, I believe. Um, and, you know, I mean, we we eventually, like, you know, we went, we, and then I did a cheers to, like, um, you know, to a better, a good year or whatever. And then he said, that's what I said last year. And he actually said that after his dad had a heart attack before he met Samantha. And then he he had a bad year. And then he was like, next year's going to be better. And then he met her. And then she, and then that year was awful. So I was kind of like, you know, I want to be the sunshine and the light. And it's like, I didn't know what to do. And so then I was trying to fix. And I said, you know, if anything, if I, I could do more, you know, I could send you stuff. Like I wanted, because I don't want to be the therapist. And he hasn't ever asked me to be. And I, but I, I felt helpless also. And I said, um, he's like, no, I got it. He's like, just be yourself. Um, but then I think me being cheerful was not helpful. So I was not the love and light I normally am. And I am committed to just being that spiritual love for him and not letting my ego trip me up. And I, I really didn't prepare for the date in that way. You know, we always have to, I think, for me, I always have to um, be prepared for the ego to try to trip me up and, and trying to get something versus just being love. Okay. All right. So so that came out of the emotionally safe space that, uh, you know, that I talked about that men are looking for, right? That yeah. And, and I also was comforted in the fact that – and. Um, he also asked me, he said, do you want to go to that Valentine's Day party? It's like a very sexy um, costume thing that his friend Costume Jim is throwing, and there's going to be a lot of like, a lot of burners there. And, you know, I, I, I also kind of, my fantasy was because he said he wanted to spend Valentine's Day with me, and so I was, like, very excited. But I get he's still grieving, and so I didn't really want to go to a party. And to me, it sounds like a lot of, like, energy, like, you know, you know, to be on my feet, all dressed in a costume. Like, I don't know, my, I'm just kind of, like, over that stuff. But, I mean, I'm probably going to have a great time. But I, when he asked, I said, I said, um, oh, I didn't think about it. Like, I was really caught off guard. And he's like, well, we don't have to. But then um, he called me uh, the day before yesterday. And, he, and, I, and I actually thought about it. I'm like, well, let's, let me just go and support him. He helped them make this boob wall thing. And then he, he, he like, is nervous. He said, um, you know, do you want to go to that party? I said, yeah, I was going to, I called you on Monday to see, you know, like, let's check it out. He was like, we don't have to stay late, but it's going to be a long night. And um, he said, you know, you've been to a rave before, right? And I said, yes. And he said, you know, it's going to be burners and there's going to be, like, the boob wall and people are going to be sticking there. There's going to be a hole where they're, ha- like, they'll, they'll go topless probably and get pictures taken. And I said, are you worried about how I'm going to be or how or what I'm going to think? And he was like, of course. And so um, he's going to be like the the wolf and I'm going to be, he, he said you could, I could be little Bo Peep. So he kind of, I guess, helped me out because I would be like, oh, my God, what am I going to wear? You know, it's only a week away and it's a costume party. So so, um, so I guess he, he bounced back and he just wants to have fun. And I think he, that's what he needs right now. And um you know, I, it'll be good to see him in a public setting. And, you know, he's in charge of SantaCon, so I'll get to know a lot about him. And I have to really make sure that I, you know, stay in my secure self and and just be free and um, open. And if I don't feel com- – I mean, I doubt I won't feel comfortable, but, you know, who knows. I have seen crazy things in my life. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, it's more important how he makes me feel, too, in addition to how I let myself feel. Okay. All right, cool. So I'm going to ask you uh, some questions. Okay. Um, 
the first question is, uh, what did you think about um, when I shared about the different type of guys that you're likely to run into? you remember that part, the five different uh, type of guys? Not so well. I wasn't – I don't remember the five things. Okay. So there's um, there's there's a the, the first guy. He really is a nice guy. He's a likable guy, but he doesn't know anything. He's basically clueless. He doesn't even know he's supposed to be trying to get you. He's so busy being excited that he likes you that he just kind of like be liking you. And uh, but he's he's clueless. He's not really paying attention to what he needs to do. And I call him uh, Mister. Uh, uh, I call him Elmer Fudd. He's like clueless. He just he just doesn't know. He's He's so naive and excited to be with you that he doesn't know he should be doing things to get your attention. So he just kind of like be there. And, you know, there's some women that actually like that, but most women don't. Most women want a guy that's like on his toes and sharp like that, right? So I call him Mr. Elmer Fudd. He's Elmer Fudd. And then uh, the second guy, uh, he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing, but he knows he's supposed to be doing something. So since he doesn't know, he tries all of these type of things. He throws a whole lot of stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks. And then, you know, uh, um, you know, if, if some women like a guy that's just going to be all, you know, flowers and you know, rose, you know, roses and chocolates, right? Um, but most women will feel a little manipulated by the guy because they know he likes them, and he's doing these things in order to get their attention. Um, and, and so he comes off as a really nice guy. And, you know, you, most women are not really enrolled in the nice guy because, you know, they're like, they, they want to challenge. He becomes predictable and all of that stuff. So he's Mr. Nice Guy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> some women like him, but most women don't. You know, God made him for some women, not for lots of them, you know. And then uh, the next guy, he's a nice, he's a, he's a great guy. He may or may not know how to flirt with women very well. Sometimes, you know, some of them do, some of them don't. But the main thing is he ain't really interested in committing. He's like, you know, as long as it's fun, like, you know, funny games, lighthearted, all of that stuff, he's, he's ready. But as soon as, you know, you start asking where's his relationship going, he starts running away. You know, so I call him a rebel without a cause. He's the guy that makes women think that men have commitment problems, but men don't want to commit. No, just Mr. Rebel without a cause is the one that don't want to commit. Guys want to commit. They just want to make sure you're safe enough to commit to and that he'll be happy that he did long term. Um, and men don't know how to determine it, but, but you need to know how to determine it because, you know, that's that's one of your know, women's natural skill set. But anyhow, that's the Rebel without a cause, you know. And then in third, the fourth guy, he's actually really smart handsome, usually really chemistry-like, you know, hitting, hitting you in the head with it. And even if he's not somebody you, you would normally be attracted to, you still can see why women would chase this guy or be interested in this guy or let him capture them, you know. And so um, he he knows what's going on with women, and he could, you know, give them what they need, like without question, right, because um, he could see it rather than hear them telling them about it. And so, but at the same time, because he understands women so well, he knows that if he goes on a date, he's going to be meeting her representative, not the real her. And so he sends his representative in. And uh, next thing you know, they're having sex and having a great old time. Uh, and then he bails. And, and he, the reason why he bails is because he knows you never met him, really. And he knows he never met you, really. And he got tired of playing the game. And that's why they call him the player. 
players can do this, you know, with numerous women at the same time because they have it, women have a script in their head, which I'm going to help you dissolve that right now, you know, in, in this program. You have a script already set up in your head to um, uh, how it's supposed to go because you learned the script when you was two, three, five, seven, or nine, you know, watch, reading fairy tales or watching cartoons or whatever. You know, between that, your heart's desire and your friends, between the three of them, you all usually have a script of how, you know, the man of your dreams is supposed to go. He's supposed to be married forever and all of that stuff. You know, we, we don't have that. We're too busy playing basketball and, and video games to actually think about relationships until we see uh, hips and titties. <laughs> it's like crazy just how we're built. You know, y'all have a 10-year head start on us in the area of relationships. And so uh, the player, he knows you never met him because he, he heard your script because you all have a way of telling men your script that you expect him to fit in and the role he's supposed to have so he can be the star in your play. But you don't know how you're communicating your script. Um, but he does. And so he decides, oh, well, I'm going to play that role. I'm going to play it this way. So it looks like he's an independent guy, but really he's just doing his version of your leading actor role in your script. And then when he gets tired of playing the game, he leaves. Because, you know, you never met him anyhow, and he never met you really anyhow, so the sex was great and it was fun and all of that. That's Mr. Player. The fifth guy, um, he is a guy who um, understands women, maybe not completely, but a lot, um, is not a Mr. Nice guy, so he can't be pushed around. But he's also not a player because he doesn't have a problem showing you his real face, and he's not going to play according to your rules. He's going to be true to himself. Um, And he respects you too much to let you not be true to yourself. And so um, he's really the guy that most women would like to have if they knew what the options were (laughs) because he'll stand up for her, protect her, take care of her, and do all of that stuff, but he still has to be him, which means he's got to be true to himself. And he can't let you manipulate him, not you, but, you know, his woman manipulate him into this, that, and the other. So I call him the rock. He's the one that women most remind women mostly of their father when they were two years old. You know, he's the, uh, the, the, the trustworthy, reliable guy, but he's not necessarily predictable. He is um, uh, rock solid financially and uh, otherwise. And maybe he's not rock solid financially otherwise, but what it is is he's going to be him uh, by honoring himself. He's going to honor you for being yourself, and he's going to help you stay yourself. So you don't, you know, dissolve and, and all that other stuff. He's really going to take care of you, and um, and he's the kind of guy that you can be with for 20, 30 years and really be happy if you can give up your own relationship script. And, you know, the man of your dreams that looks like a knight in shining armor or, you know, Tarzan or whatever your version of, of you know, that guy is. Um, and so I share that because I want women to see their own script so they can throw their script away when they meet guys so that they can actually see who's really there. Because the, the, the Rock, he's not, nobody has a script for who The Rock really is. You know, The Rock meaning that, that guy who's The Rock. And so um, that's why I wanted you to hear the introduction first so that you can get a sense of, like, you know, the type of men you've run across. You yeah, know, I, I, I can yeah. tell you, I, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen them all. Um, yes, yes. Not that I, I every woman has seen them all. <laughs> not, that yes. I have a lot of da- not that I have a lot of dating experience, but I, um, 
But I definitely think Gene is is the rock. He's number five. That's probably why I was like not because I kind of he he really he said to me a while ago. He's like women, men really want the trophy wife, and I think he wants someone more than the trophy. Like he wants someone who's smart also and um, you know kind. Because um, I don't think you know I think he meant, but that women want to feel safe and protected. Like he he knows that. Um, yeah. He you know he holds my hand across the the table so there's a lot of like intimacy and affection um he's just and he will honor himself like when i made a request through text like hey what are you doing let me know what you're up to if you let's hang out he'd never he never acknowledged well he said he was busy that night but i asked him what he was doing on the weekend he never got back to me later because he was busy and i kind of wish he had but it's okay because we're not committed yet um but he always comes back to me and um and in enough capacity, you know, I mean, it's, I, I'm busy too, and I need to remember that <laughs> and stay mm. busy um, and honor myself. And he's made comments like, I said I was watching the show, The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, which I've only seen a couple, and he's like, oh, I'd never watch that. You know, I mean, he's very, like, he's he's a quarter Italian and largely the rest German, so I'm sure he's very stubborn. He's, he does what he, he, he was an only child. He comes from money. I think he does what he wants, but he's also kind and, and thoughtful and he's grieving. That's the biggest obstacle to grief. <laughs> mm, yep. Totally understand that. So, all right. So, um, next is, I want to know, uh, I want to hear from you, like what's been your relationship experience with men over, you know, the course of your life? How's it normally go? What's been happening? What's the impact on you? You know, just let her rip. Yeah. And also I want to, I'm very curious about the relationship scripting because I totally agree with you that that's, and I think that ego get, gets involved with that desire to have that, um, the fantasy of the, the, from the movies and all of that. And I did watch a lot of movies growing up in a very dysfunctional home. So I think there's a lot of, fa- I have to be careful of fantasy. I think I've outgrown it to a degree, but um so my first boyfriend, I was 20, and um, I I heard he went like up. No, I was I, there were no rules. Like I didn't I didn't hear all what society says about how to do relationships. So I wasn't in my head as much about it, which was very good. <laughs> and um, okay. I heard he, we were sort of seeing each other and, and no sex, and I was a virgin. And I heard he went to Coma Girl up north in California for his birthday, and I was really hurt. And I, I waited, like, two days to talk to him. He was actually hanging out with, with me with a friend, not, like, with me, but because I was so mad at him, I wouldn't talk to him. But he kept trying to make me laugh, and I was trying not to laugh. And then I said, I'm like, you know what, Joey, I need to talk to you. And we went to a coffee shop on Melrose, and I sat him down, and I, and I started to tear up. And I'm like, you know, that really hurt me that you went home with the girl, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't really know that I cared that much about him. I mean, he was very sexually attracted to me. And so, like, at that moment, he committed to me. So it's like I expressed myself wholeheartedly, got what I wanted, and he became my boyfriend for four years. I lost my virginity after a year and a half. And then it was like we lived together, and then I got into Yale, moved to the East Coast, broke up with him because he just, he, he like, annoyed, like, he would talk about things, but there was, a, like, a little bit of a fear of security or not. Like, I'd be like, what kind of ideas is he talking about? Like, are these ever going to actualize? And he wasn't super responsible to a degree, but, like, paying back his financial loans, you know, a little, like, but he would marry me to this day, so I've had a lot of guilt about it. But I, um, And it, he's a really good, beautiful person. Um, 
then I met a guy that pursued me, um, and, and Joey kind of pursued me too, so it was, like, very easy. And then Rob, he was, like, this guy that I was – he saw me at a club in New Haven, um, like, wanted to take pictures of me. He's an amateur photographer, like, like out in nature, and I let him. And I was – because I knew I was nervous. I was – I always – like, I'm – I was I am shy, like, initially. Um, and I have, like – you know, I've had body image issues. And so Rob sort of got to know me through the camera, and he saw, like, how much, like – like what I've been through and he he was like come here and he just held me on this bench in this park during the day and just hugged me and he was like Italian and just very loving and um I noticed like after six months of friendship like I was starting to think about kissing him so eventually we ended up like hooking up and then he sort we never had that talk but he became my boyfriend but he um he was on, like, Wellbutrin, and I kind of, he was in a horrible car accident when I was 16, and, like, I think he didn't go to Yale, and I think I, like, wanted to meet a Yaley. I don't know. I just, there's something, again, the lack of security. There's some darkness that he had from his past, and he had a felony because he made fake IDs when he was, after this horrible accident, and um, came from a really good family, but he, you know, he had some obstacles. So I moved to New York. I told him I was leaving. He was really hurt. I broke his heart, um, and then I started dating in New York, and it's been a sort of a nightmare. Um, I mean, I dated a guy for Match for six months. It was great, but he was an atheist, and I don't know. The sex wasn't that great, um, and then I just started to get in my head about it, and I was really busy with school. Then I met this guy, Oren. I worked with him for his parents um, at this methadone clinic on the Upper East Side, and he, so I was very enmeshed with the family, and I was making really good money while I was trying to finish this degree, and he would pick on me, and, like, he felt threatened by my education, but he would sort of do that, he was very immature, that one, one, he would one-up me, like, how guys do to each other, and I was, like, I never had been treated like that, so I was trying to figure him out, and, and I didn't, I didn't have the courage to break up with him, because I was so busy with school, and so I stayed in it in it three years longer, so it was another, it was a four-year relationship. Um, it ended really, I mean, it ended fine, but my dad got sick, and then, like, I finally had the courage to break up with him three months after my dad died, after a year of my dad being sick. So I was very addicted to him. Um, the sex was amazing. It was very unhealthy. Um, I, I was sort of a love addict, um, and I, I never really could even see if myself marrying him. I just couldn't. I couldn't end it. And so I learned a lot, and that brought me back to, like, my spiritual self. And then um, I dated more. I, like, started working out more. I graduated. I took time off. Like, I had money that I didn't have. That I I got involved with Landmark, and I, I wasted a lot of time sort of there, like, grieving, I think. And um, I, I date a lot of guys are attracted to me because of, you know, the whole Facebook thing, like you're saying, like, the love and light. And I... I dated, like, three guys. Um, they all ended up getting jealous of my relationship with my dad, incidentally, and they were very, I mean, I could go on about, they very short relationships, but, uh, I, yeah, I, I've learned a lot, too, about be, to be careful who I let in. Um, so then I was kind of done with New York, and then I met, um, I, I was going to be back to California, and then I met Jean, um, right after my friend committed suicide and like we had this amazing summer this past summer with the weather and I, he kind of opened up a new, a new like experience for me in New York and things just got better and yeah. 
So I um, oh I forgot I skipped over Josh, which which was really disappointing because that was while I was in Landmark, and I was like trying to create this relationship, and the guy basically. I was so afraid to ask for what I wanted and to make sure we were on the same page because I was afraid of scaring him. And um, I waited eight months, and then he said, I thought you knew we were just friends. And I was devastated because I, I felt used. And then so I'm bringing that. I was, like, I mean, not depressed, like, clinically, but really down. That ended last October. And that's kind of, kind of and then all through the winter, and I'm a California girl. So you can imagine I was just really mad at myself mad because I'm 38 now. Like, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell just happened? Um, and I, you know, I really idealized the guy. Um, but when I look back at how, who Gene is for me versus that guy, it's like night and day. Like, Gene is totally really working on, I mean, he really just is great, and he's just, but he's not completely ready. So, but he wants to be, I think. I mean, I don't, you know, so. Does that give you... So, yeah, that, that gives that gives me a uh, you know a sense. But um, my question for you is, um, do you see any commonalities between you know the different relationships who you've been being and all of that stuff? So like, what do you, what do you see out of your own history? Um, well, I have to be careful with attachment um, versus commitment, and I do get attached when I sleep with someone. Well, if I really like them. Um, uh, and what other um what is it? um it's it's when i mm, when I let them pursue me, it's more telling versus when I stay busy with my own life and I'm standing strong in what I'm doing, like they um which has been hard since my dad died. Like, it's a big, like, missing. But, uh, and that's been for the last three years. So, um, and I think, yeah, just when I'm doing me powerfully, they tend to show up. And when I'm not, it's more easy to get um, attached and to, like, want to force an outcome. Um, yeah. Okay. Um. All right, and then um, um, so I will say that what I had noticed is that um, you pick good guys. They're not bad guys. They're not ready, but they're not bad guys. But you pick guys that ain't quite ready. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that or not. Uh, for yeah. some reason or another, right? They're just, they're just, just what you do. And then you drive yourself crazy over analyzing it. Yes. And then you try <laughs> to get them to commit, even though you keep picking. Good guys who ain't ready or even capable of committing. Yeah. You know, and so. Uh, and, that, and, that's, and that's largely because I don't find a lot of people that I like. I, I mean, I haven't, I've been online, but I haven't looked at any profiles because I really feel weird about it. And I, I really just want to meet someone that I, I'm like, oh, and it just happens. But that's few and far between. Say, say that again. It's also, I also am very, I mean, I'm picky. Like, I like what I like, and I don't, I when I go out or when I'm out, I don't meet a lot of people that I like, and I have been avoiding the online thing. Even though I'm, I have profiles up, I just don't ever look at the guys because I just feel like it's so much work. I just made that up, but <laughs> that's just very, what I, but, um, so I, yeah, when I find one that I let, it's like I want it, 
I want it to work because I see the potential. And and then like Josh definitely there I don't know. But Gene I really feel like there's potential but it's like at what cost to me if it doesn't work out, you know? Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a client who I've been dealing with since two thousand and eleven, I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Um she, she lives in PA. And um, you know, she's just recently learned in the last year how she picks people who aren't available because uh, she has per- her own personal commitment issues. So rather than she doesn't face her own commitment issues, like she's scared to, like, be dominated and lose control. So she ends up meeting guys who are commitment phobes of some sort or another. They may not be able to commit or they may not know how to commit or they may not want to commit. But rather than her being the commitment phobe, she'll choose people who are commitment phobes and try really, really hard. So she could have a clear conscience, but still not be under, not be controlled by anybody. And so, what she actually works work that out. And it took something, you know. Um, it, you know, she she's actually in a relationship now. She doesn't know if it's actually going to work out, but he's not scared of commitment, and she's not avoiding him. She's just letting it see how it's gonna go. And, and so she doesn't overanalyze when he's not around. Um, she's not avoiding him. She's not pulling him in. She's, like, being in the relationship, taking it a day at a time. Like, she's actually treating each day as if it's an individual relationship so she can see if this is really, you know, a guy that'll work for her or not. I think he's not, and she thinks he's not, but she's willing to give it a chance. And so, um, you know, and, and it's interesting. Since she's not attached, it seems to be getting better. Last couple of times she, we talked uh, so we don't talk just about uh, her relationship. But a couple last couple of times we talked, she was actually surprised that it was going as well as it was going. You know, <laughs> so can she's I, not sitting around thinking about it. Good. This is something that just occurred to me. This is interesting. Could it be that my my commitment issues to passing my licensing exam and my commitment issues to like California or New York are 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 like what my commitment issues are and they're not really about being in a relationship they're just like confusion and procrastination and fear about like um advancing my career and being geographically um in the best spot for me um you know overshadowed by my dad's passing because like he was still alive I would probably still I would have been in action still I wouldn't have Stopped, and there's just something that happened to me when I lost him, and then there's no motivation to me back because he's gone. And I mean, I have tons of friends there, and every time I'm there, I'm like, oh, I could totally move back. But since I haven't flown there in like over a year, I'm just kind of like, I love it here. So I'm just, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, because I don't feel like I have commitment issues to be in a relationship, but I don't know. Um, well, I, I just want to invite you to consider that as you were going through this. You may be right, but I just know I remember I remember reading Conversations with God. I don't remember which book it was, right? You, I know you've heard of the series, yeah? Yeah. Book series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that, that God was talking about in relationships is that people um, who are, let's say, promiscuous um, by nature, like they want to live a life of promiscuity, they may either be a player, you know, running around, or 
they may not feel comfortable doing it themselves, so they'll attract promiscuous people, make them wrong, but at least they have the experience of the life of promiscuity without actually the full commitment. So they'll they'll keep meeting people that cheat on them. <laughs> and they How come I keep meeting people that cheat on them? And so the same thing would be about, you know, about violence or about commitment or other things of that nature. So I'm just putting it out there so not like this is the truth, but to consider the possibility that, you know, this might be something that you're projecting because you seem to be meet guys like that. Then why would you attract guys like that if if that wasn't somehow a piece of you? Not like it's the truth again. I'm not asking you to be attached to it or, you know, just take what I say, uh, you know, all the way. Just, like, look for it as we're going through the sessions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, right. So, um, and, you know, the last thing I'll say around this too, support you in really seeing it because there's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't help you with your relationship if that's how it's going, right? Is that how you do anything is how you do everything. So yeah. I want you to like, you know, I want you to look at that too because when you talk about committing to California versus New York and committing to this, committing to that, I'm thinking that in that other area that's the, it's the same commitment issue. You just don't see it yet. And it may not be true. So we're in the beginning stages. I want you to like look at that for yourself. And uh, and then, you know, we'll keep it moving. But I also did want you to see, like, your own habit, your own patterns around relationships so it's, like, you know, kind of clear. And then when you listen to the first session from um, the next, uh, you know, the other program, you'll hear women have different um, uh, issues, you know. Um, I'm not going to tell you what they are. You'll just hear and you'll be able to hear yourself in there speaking, uh, whether, you, you know, it's like, oh, I'm definitely not that or Hmm, I wonder if I've ever or whatever. So you'll you'll get a chance to hear it, but I really want you to hear it, um, uh, you know, a couple of different ways because I'm, I'm getting that you know that would really serve you because <laughs> you're a thinker and an analyzer, and if you listen to a recording and you're actually paying attention to it, you can't like interrupt the conversation because <laughs> the conversation is going to go. You're going to listen or not, but you can't interrupt it. And that's one of that's actually one of the reasons why I like writing. Because um, I, I learned when I was married my first time, if I had a conversation, my ex-wife could, could twist it around if she wants. You know, people can do that. But when you write a note, all they can do is read it and then talk, and then talk later, right? So the recording is going to be kind of like the same thing for you, I'm, I'm hoping, anyhow. If it doesn't work out, we'll stop the recording. We'll just do this training here uh, one-on-one. But I want to give it to you as, as well as I can, and this is like extra you know, this is like going above and beyond what I normally do, but in service of you, like that. So, thank you. Uh, okay, good. So, um, so why do you want to be in a relationship? Um, because I love companionship. I love uh, learning about things I don't know about. I love adventures, like with someone. I love closeness, intimacy, connection. I like to play. I like to grow and expand. Um, and I love family, and I want to create one. Um, it's very important to me. Okay. And I, I, like, um, I like contributing. And uh, when you really know someone, you can do that, you know, with relative ease. I think I, I know people much 
better when they're like my friends. And I think like, <laughs> as I say that I'm realizing, I, I kind of, I must get a little, not weird, like I appear weird on when I'm dating, but I, I get a little bit quieter or anxious. Like, do I say this or do I say that? I mean, not, not always. Like I'm very, I'm just like talkative as well, but, um, and sometimes I just say things that depends, but I think there's a lot more that I could share or like, I, I wouldn't even question what comes out of my mouth when, when I'm with friends or when I'm helping someone else. But with, when the stakes are high, such as in finding a life partner, I bet there's ways I don't, I'm not fully self-expressed. Okay. Or fully free. Okay. Like, for example, the doorbell rang and Gene was in the bathroom. This was a while ago. And I knew he ordered food, but it was, like, his apartment. Um, like, I don't want to do the wrong thing. It's my identity, my perfectionism. And then I didn't open the door. Like, I kind of got up and I called his name because I didn't want to open the door to his apartment. I mean, it's New York City. And he, like, came out. He's like, oh, why didn't you get it? And then I felt, I just, I was quiet. I didn't say, I didn't explain myself. And he, like, got, went and got the food. And he wasn't, like, mad, but he was kind of, I wasn't at ease, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I was like weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not 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 fully self-expressed. Totally got that. Yeah. Okay, so um, I was in, in that list- head, I think. Yeah, I got that. So, in listening to yourself share why you want to be in a relationship, um, do you fought, Did you hear or were your reasons? coming out of uh, scarcity, loneliness, safety and security? Was it coming from uh, self-expression, generosity, sharing experiences? Were the reasons something that, that empowered you, serve you, or light you up? Like, like as you were saying them and getting present to your reason for them being in a relationship, were they uh, a mixture of, you know, All of reasons? The All, yeah, got all it. of the above. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we want to take out the other stuff that don't work because when because when those things will uh, get you know uh, become present, then um, you know it, it'll shut you down. You know. So we're gonna take care of that other stuff. But I just want you to see that you've got good reasons and some disempowering reasons and all kind of stuff around it. You know. Yeah. So we want we want you clear around it. And if you don't know that, then you won't know why you start feeling a certain way when certain things happen and show up. And so. Um, you know, these are these two questions that I asked you so far is to allow you to see some of the things about you you don't know about you yet, or you're just finding out about you. Because you don't, if you don't know that this, these things are happening, then you won't know why your relationships don't work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Mhm. Okay, great. So now, next question is, um, let me see here. Uh, Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, so the next question is, um, what do you think it's going to take in order for you to see men as they really are rather than how you want them to be? Being fully present, um, being not attached, not needing, not looking to get something, standing on my own, to speak with confidence, and complete security, knowing that I can take care of myself. Okay. All right. 
great. So um, that's a great start. Uh, anything else? Um, listening, talking less, listening more. I I totally forgot about recreation, and it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that I'm also trained to do in couples counseling, or try mm-hmm. train the couple to do with each other. Um, mm-hmm. But it, we call it, you know, like they, we don't call it recreation, but it disappears things. So I want to be other focused and not me focused. And and oftentimes I've done that for Jean, but I slip because when I go back to the scarcity stuff like we were just talking about or the neediness or. Got it. All right, good. So I got a list of things I'm going to offer you. And some of them you do, and some of them you don't. Some of them you might not even thought about before. So um, listen, listen to them. Listen to them as actions. Listen to them as context. Listen to them as solutions. You know, however you however you need to listen to this list I'm going to give you um, to um, to see how you can apply them and all of that stuff. So um, what what it takes for a woman to see men as they really are, rather than how they want them to be is for them to be loving, to be curious, to be accepting. You know, let me just throw curious out there for, for at first, is that um, uh, what I mean curious, it's kind of like being uh, like an anthropologist. You know, you just look to see what's really going on as opposed to um, wondering why he's not doing what you think he's supposed to do or why didn't he do what you wanted him to do or why didn't he have, like, why is he doing what he's doing as opposed to why is he doing what he's doing rather than. You know, Jane Goodall was watching the apes for 30 years. You know, she just watched them. She didn't know what was going to happen. She just documented their stuff. Eventually, she got intimate with them, you know, not that kind of intimate, but, you know, in their lives. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and, like, she just saw them. You know, you, you could call it recreation, but he was even more more basic than that. She just saw them. And, and it was awesome for, because she was able to learn from them rather than have her expectations dictate their actions. Because uh, there's a saying you probably heard, um, nothing that is observed is unaffected by the observer. So she tried to take herself away from impacting his their actions in any every way, shape, or form. And so that's what I mean by being curious. Like yeah. They're no longer like like they're not. This is not a man that you're looking at, and you, at, from the standpoint of woman, don't look at a man standpoint of one, look at the man from standpoint of you're an alien from another planet, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that way you don't have your expectations or, or or visions in the way of understanding where he's coming from. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's really important because later on I'm gonna be telling you some things to look for to make it easier for you to detach, but he, this is a basic Mindset, you know, it's like in the in the power of the crate. They talk about you know bring everything, nothing, mm-hmm. right? And so um, uh, this uh, being curious requires you to bring nothing. Don't even bring everything. <laughs> Just bring nothing. Like duh. Like huh? What's going on? Here? <laughs> which, 
take you out of the way. Forget about the bring everything part. Just bring the nothing part and just watch. Um, so, yeah, so being uh, curious, being accepting um, um, is another one. Uh, give up expectations. That's part of the script that women have in their head. Men don't really have a script. You just hope you get laid and you like us a lot, and then you don't give us a hard time, and we'll keep you around. That's how it is for us, you know, and you look great. So we're pretty basic. We, we, our standards, for the most part, are not anywhere near as complicated as y'all's are. Y'all have a whole laundry list. Oh, my God, man. I've heard some lists sometimes. I had a howl laughing. I heard a, I was on a, my first qualifying men call. It was a group call with eight women on it. And I had a, a female a co-leader because I was scared that I might, you know, get in trouble with a whole bunch of women because they could talk louder, longer than me, and, and you know, beat up on me or gang up on me on a call. I'm like, oh my god! So I had this woman from London who's a great, great friend of mine. She co-led the workshop with me. She missed session three, and we're on the call, and I'm on the call, and you know, this is it was either about what's wrong with men. No, it was what's wrong with women according to men. That's, that was the conversation. I don't put that in this program anymore. But, you know, that was the conversation uh, we had. And um, and then I said something about how women don't usually look out for men. Uh, they don't hold the door, so I don't give them my seat on the subway or the bus. I ain't doing that. And they're like, what? You the love coach? For about 20 minutes. Oh, my God. And so that was that was that was one conversation. At the end of it, they realized, oh, you know what? Maybe I can kind of see your point a little bit, but you still better give up your seat when I show up, right? So that was funny. <laughs> but, 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 the other, but the other thing is, and I said, okay, yeah, for y'all, I'll do that part. Okay, great. But uh, but the other part was um, my my friend. Uh, uh, her name is Lily. She lives in London. She was you know on session two or session four. I don't remember. Is the one before that that conversation is shared or after? And she was, you know, one of them was talking about how they want a man so strong that he could pull a tree out of the ground with his bare hands. And I heard somebody say that. I was like, oh, interesting. That's possible, <laughs> but okay. And then for about a minute, maybe even as long as 90 seconds, three of the women was talking about what that would be like for them, you know, and all of that stuff. And I just had to howl laughing because I'm like, that ain't possible. Shut up. You can't wait. Where are you even coming from that? See, y'all have a totally unrealistic view of men, right? So <laughs> it's just funny when I watch women say and do things that are not possible for men, but y'all don't know it's not possible because y'all see us as great as we see us, as greater than we see ourselves, which is our blessing, but it affects your relationship when you're not present to it. Yeah. So that's, so that's why giving up expectations will allow you to actually accept him and actually see him as how he really is rather than how you want them to be. Um, so giving up expectation, developing a powerful relationship to reality. You know, in the landmark, you know, you, you give it a story and, you know, you get, you know, um, it is what it is and all of that stuff. You know, you go into the, the ILP. Have you done the introduction to the program yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So, you know, they talk about, you know, performance versus, you know, whatever, it's, uh, performance versus whatever, I forget the other thing, but, you know, um, uh, the, the world of performance they talk about. You know, you just do what you do. It's not like you failed. You just failed to perform. Not You're not a failure, right? So you got, you know, all of this stuff. But what I find is that the more grounded I personally get in reality, the more I'm paying attention to am I still dealing in the reality. Like the closer I get to ongoing reality, the more it reminds me 
to be in reality. Like reality yeah. is starting to use me versus the other way around. And if you can get practice in having the world of reality around you, like you'll start seeing early warning signs that you may not be in reality or here's a new reality or something. And then for you particularly, if you can actually stand inside of um, what's reality, it'll, it'll, I promise you, you'll overanalyze stuff less and less and less until you can actually walk around with peace of mind. Mm-hmm. This, this one here would be good for you, you know, developing a powerful relationship to reality, um, which means you got to give yourself permission to be wrong without beating yourself up, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Because, yeah. Because our, our five senses are pattern recognition devices but they're not necessarily reality-based um, uh, senses. They're not necessarily – it's like, how am I going to get away from this lion, tiger, and bear? That's one thing. But, you know, in terms of reality, we used to think that the world was round. We didn't know there was a thing called germs. So, you know, there's so much about the world and the universe that we don't know still. Yeah. That if we give ourselves permission to get grounded in reality, then we can give ourselves permission to be wrong and let the, the the inaccuracy teach us and take us to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. how I got to be a coach. That's how I got to be a coach in the first place. Every time I coached and it was not working or it didn't work right or whatever, you know, I had to go learn it. And you know, every time I was messing with one woman and it didn't work out, I had to learn something else. I used to do some stupid stuff in the relationship. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, really, I, I cheated on my wife with at least 100 women while I was married for six and a half years. It was brutal. One of the women I cheated on, i never forget this, man, I swear to God. And, and I'm not proud of the fact that I did it, but it, it those experiences taught me how to be the kind of coach that I am today. So yeah, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, like, I needed the life experiences to be able to do this. Um, so I mean, one day, this is how stupid I was at times, man. We was at a hotel. Me and this woman was at a hotel, and you know we had our sex and whatnot. And uh, I think I met her at Madison Square Garden. I was a vendor selling hot dogs and cotton candy and beer, right? So I think I met her at the garden. Anyhow, um, uh, we after having sex, I, I put Vaseline on my body because I like my skin to be smooth. I'm 56, but I was with my brother yesterday, and the, and the women were saying, "Who's older?" He's 43, and they're asking me. Asking who's, who's older, right? And I'm smiling like <laughs> I love when they ask this question. They thought I was they thought I was their age, mid thirties, man. I loved it, you know what I mean? So yeah. um so so you know, I put oil on my skin, take care of my skin and, and the woman asked me, you know, why did I, why am I doing that? I said, Well, partly because I like to take care of my skin and at that time I was like I think I was even in my late twenties, early thirties, something like that. Um, thirty, thirty one at the time. I said, probably because, you know, take care of my skin. But the other part is so that uh, I noticed that if I put Vaseline on my skin, my wife can't smell anybody on me when I come home. Mm. That was the last time I saw her. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I said I said it did some stupid stuff. That was one of them, you know. So, um, uh, you know, it taught me something about communication. You know, it's just, it's just funny. I, I I know that they say that success successful people make make all their mistakes quicker than non-successful people. Like, they hurry up and run through their mistakes so they can get to the good part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, when a person's committed to having a powerful relationship in reality, they don't want to slow down the mistake process. 
because they won't get to the good part. After a while, you run out of mistakes. There's no more mistakes to make after a while. You know, that's what um, Thomas Edison, it took him 10,000 times or to figure out how to create the light bulb if we actually did it, but he ran out of mistakes. And so having a powerful relationship to reality, you've got to give yourself permission to run out of mistakes, not to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Does that communicate? Yeah. Okay, great, great, great. So then uh, next one is, this is an extensive list, and I'm going to email you this list, by the way. I'm not going to just say it. I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you so you can have it. Because uh, cool. you never know you're going to need to have, you know, this particular list. So um, respecting the next thing you're going to need to do is to respect the creator's intentions for how and why he created men. <laughs> like God had an idea about men, which is a different idea than women. And so, you know, when a woman could actually think of, why would God make men be that way, think that way? Because it's so foreign and different from you. It's almost like we come from a different planet, you know, like men are from Mars, women from Venus. It's really like that. The more I, I do this coaching, the more I realize, man, we are so not on the same page. It ain't funny. But it's possible to understand the other page. So, well, I have a question. When a man says that he's, he's very logical, how does that – I don't completely get that. Like, does that mean they're not emotional? Like, what? where does emotion come in that? Like, so our our relationship to emotions is different from yours. Our mm-hmm. relationship to emotions, how we relate to our emotions is as fuel. fuel. So we use, we use our emotions to inspire us to take action or to prevent us from taking action or something. Oh. It's like, yeah, it's like um, the better we feel, the more we want to do it. So... Mm-hmm. If a kid gives a boy gives a teacher an apple and she likes it, that's gonna inspire him to want to give her another apple because he likes the feeling of being successful. Yeah. So everything about us is how do we use our feelings to be successful? It's funny that you ask that because um, I've got a saying that I use and share with people, which is, "Feelings are terrific servants, terrible masters." Mm-hmm. And so because I've learned, I'm not. I'm not perfect, but I'm really good at using my feelings rather than my feelings use me. So, for example, I get angry. I know I've got the capacity to be, full capacity to be angry. <laughs> I first discovered this when I was learning, uh, when I was studying astrology. And I have a, 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 um, I don't know if you know anything about astrology, but I've got an aspect in my chart called Mars square Pluto. That's like the hottest tempered astrological sign there is. <laughs> Where Pluto's like, I think I think I think Hitler had that one, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the same time, what I learned is that when I get upset, which doesn't happen very much anymore, because I've got I've shifted my context around so many of the things that did get me upset. There's very few things left, right? But thank God, I'm so happy about that. Um, But uh, even if when I do, I use that energy of anger to have me learn something. So yeah. like I have more, I have more energy for learning. I have more energy for being of service and whatnot. So, um, you yeah, know, that's my uh, uh, use for um, uh, that's the way I use anger. Um, other men will use it for motivation to take action 
want to get revenge or something, but we use the the emotions. We don't sit with them unless we failed so much. We got to go into our man cave to heal. Say that last Women. part about having to go uh, in the man cave. Yeah. So when we failed one too many times, we got to go alone. We got to go somewhere and, and, and unplug and replug, reboot. Um, we got we got to stop the losing streak in our life. So when a woman's complaining about how she's not feeling safe and secure in the many ways, y'all know how to do that. You know the house isn't clean, or how come you didn't call me, or why'd you look at that girl a second time? All of that is about safety and security coming from you, but to us, you're telling us we suck and we're failing. So, you know, if you got complaints and then the boss got complaints and then we didn't have enough money to do what we needed to do and then, you know, we fell down on the train and then, you know, we got to go unplug. We got to go turn the machine off, sit still, turn the machine on, go do something, whether we have to remember some of our successes years years ago, playing video (laughs) games or something like that. So there is the the first the remember I told you the dinner where my eyes like welled up but then we like now you know we like we carried on with the date then we went to have a drink and then <laughs> unbeknownst to me I had that sort of a ha- pseudo conversation I said um, I remember we talked about this on New Year's but are you sleeping with anyone else and he said no are you dating anyone else no um, and I I said I get that you're not ready to commit or you weren't um, I just will you just tell me if you do, you know, like any of those so I, to protect myself, you know? Like, I kind of just, like, <laughs> spit it out. And I asked him mm. what he likes about me, and he said, I um, enjoy spending time with you. So it was sort mm. of, like, not the best timing to have the conversation, but I think I was feeling a little bit insecure because I felt Samantha was, like, on the date. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, But I'm glad he bounced back and called me about this party because – I was, wor- you know, I was a little bit worried that I was, you know, I've got it. I was trying to, I don't know. But it, it didn't really, I mean, I I kind of felt like he wasn't sleeping with any, anyone anyway. At least they said it. But I think he may know, like, this isn't, he may know this isn't ideal for me. <laughs> I'm not sure what he would have picked up from that. But, well, well, I will tell you about guys. The other part about guys is that if we give in to our feelings fully, Usually, bad things happen. So guys turn into gangsters and beat people up and shoot people and stuff like that. So they'll go violent if they don't have any bigger game to play in their life, which I'm going to be talking about biggest big games in life down the road. Um, or we get dominated by those emotions and they swallow us alive. So if a man is sad, then he's either going to have to bury it because or he's going to be immobilized by it. When emotions are too strong for us, we get immobilized. We do nothing. We just sit there and, you know, cry or do whatever we do. But we're, we we have to bury it, numb it, cover it up if we want to keep taking action. How can yeah. how can I help with that? Like, uh, Have him go talk to his best friend. You don't want to yeah. do that, anything about that. Uh, you don't want to talk, deal with that at that level. What you would want to do is find some actions that you can engage in with him. Some activity. Go, yeah, so go do something together. No talking. Talking ain't going to help. Yeah. Because 
here's the reason why talking won't help. The only thing, the only thing that's going to make a guy feel better is a win. Talking about wins is not the same thing as winning. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why getting him to do stuff, even if it's just playing around, yeah, will we'll have him begin a new winning streak. Talking, you're going to do it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so cool. doing something. You know, it could be it could be as simple as having sex and then making sure he you know that he he knows that you blew his that he blew your mind. Could be as simple as having sex. I okay, know one good. time, one, yeah, I know one time I was um, uh, dating a, a woman who was a great woman. We just didn't have the same life purpose, which you know I'll talk about that down the road too. Anyhow, um, we went out and um, she wanted me to buy something for her, right? I don't remember what the occasion was, but it was cool. I was happy to do that. But she also wanted me, she wanted to go shopping. She didn't want just that thing, but she didn't know that until we got out there. I didn't have enough money to do that. So she feel like she's with a poor guy and it bothered the crap out of her when we got home, right? I'm feeling like, oh my God, I mean, I failed here like this, right? So that's how I'm feeling. So after she, you know, clarified herself, she looked at me and she says, okay, we better have sex right now or else I'm not going to be able to talk to you at all. And then we had sex, and you know, like I, you know, she she did that because she knew she needed to feel good about me as well. Right, and sex always worked for us, right? So yeah. I, I was so, <laughs> I was I was so stunned that she went there, and I was grateful because that was a win for me, uh, and also you know it gave her a reason to remember why she wanted to be with me in the first place. You know, it, it was almost like going back and watching a movie of our greatest moment, except for he was like having sex right then and there, right? Yeah. So that's how she did me in that moment. I was, I've never had anybody do that, and it, it was an unforgettable moment. The sex was great, but the, the fact that she wanted to have sex to prevent us from going down a bad tunnel in the relationship was, you know, unforgettable, you know? So, yeah. So, you know, that could work for sure. Right, but that would be like if you're mad at him. Um, but even if you're not, um, you know, you—that's one thing will definitely work. You know, go mm-hmm. canoeing, go canoeing, or bike riding, or something. Go do something. You no know, talking. You could talk, but like it ain't about conversation. One thing that is an obstacle is his work schedule, and it really is mm-hmm. uh, an, an obstacle. And it's 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 gonna get better. So that's good. But I'm going to get him, like, there's a thing called Sleep No More. Um, it's some, like, in, it's some shared experience you do. It's, it's like, a thing you buy tickets for. I think that's gonna, what I'm going to get him for Valentine's Day. So we could do it together. Yeah. Yeah, like a gift certificate. Because I don't, his schedule is so insane. <laughs> it's unpredictable, too. Okay, great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this list uh, once fully, and then I'm going to go back to a couple more things because I'm, I'm – I, I actually never delivered this list the way I'm doing it right now, which is good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, you know, but uh, I just haven't done it. So I'm going to start from the top again, go all the way through the list, and then I'm going to, you know, point out a couple more things again. So I, I just want to okay. bring the, the list present. Um, so when you're hearing it on this recording, um, then you'll hear the list in its entirety as well as have it, okay. you know, physical, uh, visual and physical. So um, what's it going to take in order to for you to see men as they really are rather than how you want them to be is to be loving, to be curious, to be accepting, uh, to give up expectations, to 
develop a powerful relationship to reality, respecting the creator's intentions for how and why he created men. Like, why did he create men, or why is that a good idea? Because everything else God created has been a good idea. So, you know, matter of fact, I laugh. Most women are like, everything is good about everything. God made everything good except for man. What's wrong with them? <laughs> right? No so, way. I don't agree well, at all. I, I understand that, but you know, there's women that are like, you know, men suck, and what's wrong with men? Yeah, 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 shame on them. Yeah, so respecting the creator's intentions for how and why he created men. Um, another thing you need to put in is to see that that's the only way a real relationship with a man is going to work is by seeing him as he really is, rather than how you want him to be. Um, giving up your past experiences and stories, which is different from giving up your expectations. Stop being impatient. You have to gain patience. Um, be responsible for making yourself happy. Be self-confident. Stop making men wrong, which I'm glad you just got finished saying you don't really do. Yay. Yay for you. Uh, and, then, and, and, then, uh, and then give up the illusion that men are supposed to read your mind, which I hear that you're doing, which is good, because you're asking how come, you know, what you want that you didn't get rather than how come he didn't know that you needed it, which is a different thing. You know what I mean? Wait, what um, did I say? No, uh, you don't have it. I haven't heard it coming from you that you have it in any way, shape, or form. The man is supposed to read your mind. You have it that you don't understand why you're not getting what you want or why he's doing what he's doing, but it's not coming from he's supposed to read my mind. How come he didn't know to do that? You're not, yeah, I've heard right. nothing, nothing from you around that. So that's good, right? Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see here. For you, um, the last thing out of this list that I have here that I think is important for you is to stop being impatient and to be self-confident. Those two things, mm-hmm. are, or those two things are important to you. So I'm going to give you this list, and I'm going to say it now so it's on the recording, that I want you to um, point out the ones that you think you need to work on on this list because you don't have to – not, not all of this applies to you. But there are some things that do that's going to, that you have to handle in order for you to see men as they really are. Because when you can see men as they really are, there's no bad men. There's no men that's like, don't work for you. No, let me back that up. There'll be men that don't work for you. There won't be any men that you won't be able to like, respect, and love, even if he's a gangster. Because you'll just see the good in him, even if he can't see it for himself. So, so that's what, what, was, what was after giving past experiences? Does it stop being impatient? Uh, yep. And then be self-confident, and then what was after? Well, in between stop being impatient was be responsible for making yourself happy, which you uh, kind of that's, that's funny because that's, well, that's what I'm, I'm very aware that that's, like, that's in Buddhism, like, you know, it's two adults looking in the same direction, like, creating a future, like, two independent adults. Like, I'm very clear that's what ha- has to happen. And I mean, I'm, yes. I'm working on it, and yeah. I would love to share yep. my life with someone, but there is some, um, you know, not working out as much as I want. Like, I'm not being as responsible as I have been, and I can't let the weather get in the way of that. But I, I've let yeah. excuses kind of take me out of my best game, and my, and I'm working on that. Like, I've, I'm aligned with people to support me, um, 
you know, like, uh, just get out of my own way. And I think a lot of that was residual grief um, stuff going on. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I, you know, you may not be perfect, but that doesn't seem to be one of your issues in, in being able to determine who men are. Being able to qualify men, that ain't one of the things getting in the way. You're about... Um, you're either normal or better than normal around that particular issue. You don't you don't expect people to make you happy. Now, granted, there are plenty of women that do. You just ain't, you're just not necessarily one of them. Now, mm-hmm. a man, it's not man can make you happy, but you're not holding them responsible for it. Like you're developed enough to know that you know that's your responsibility. And even if you forget, it's it's there for you. It's it's, it's, yeah. there, in, it's there enough in you so that you know. It's a muscle, but yeah, it's not like fully sculpted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's in, but it's in there. So I mean, I can hear it, smell it. It's good. You you you're good there. You you so can you get better, to... but yeah, you can get better, but you don't have. To, there are other things you probably want to work on first. You know. <laughs> so I, I want to work on being curious, and this trips me up because I get and I don't want to be the, asking questions like a psychologist. So I get yeah. a little bit stopped there. Um. Um, I, I'm very accepting of him. The only thing that I get tripped up on is, well, I'm always, I'm loving, but the accepting, I get tripped up when I see the grief, um, mm-hmm. and I really have, that's reality, so I really have to accept that. Um, mm-hmm. I have to give up expectations about this, his, his ability to commit to me right now. I can jump out of it, but I don't want to. Um, and then, again, that's has to do with developing a t- – um, I mean, he exceeds my expectations, or he has, and that's why I'm still around. He knocks Josh out of the park. Um, uh, and then, yeah, I give up expectations about how much I got to see him. I mean, I've been very patient with that, but then when I see him, it's like, Oh my gosh! You know I'm so excited that I forget that. Oh, he's grieving. <laughs> Wait, mm. he might not be at his best. Um, let's see. And you say respect what the creator made man to be, but you didn't see what that was. Is it to be providers and to um, hunt and gather, or? Well, well, yeah, but anytime a man is thinking or doing something that's like unfathomable for you or you don't under you know don't like it don't understand it can't you know like you get stumped. Oh, well, this is right? the perfect thing because I'm going to be with all these sexy girls and like boobs and God knows what I'm going to see at this huge sexy Valentine's party. I might get triggered. I'm I'm, I'm totally aware of that. Like I'm a Scorpio, we're possessive. It he's a guy. I don't know. I've never seen him in this capacity. He's kind of warned me. The fact mm. that he's warned me, it's like, I, I mean, he loves my boobs, but, like, I don't know. Like, this is, I, and I've grown up a lot around that, but, I So, mean, let me say something, let me say something about that, okay? <laughs> Maybe this will give you some freedom, okay? So, when you go shopping, you don't necessarily go shopping for the greatest dress you'll ever buy. Because you're like a clothing connoisseur. Or a food connoisseur. Like, there's no, even if there's a favorite, you can still appreciate the beauty of the different types of foods or the different types of dresses or the different types of cars or whatever, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, just because you like one better than the other one doesn't mean you don't, you just like everything else. So, yeah. Right, right? So so women want a man to love her and dislike every other woman, really. She's not saying <laughs> dislike them all, but, like, dislike them all. Yeah, she got great <laughs> boobs, but you're not supposed to see her boobs. <laughs> right? So so men are connoisseurs of women. There's some women I see. I'm a, I'm a butt man, right? And I'm an I'm a, I'm a ass man and I'm an hourglass guy, right? So I want mm-hmm. the same in the back as in the front, that personally. I don't care if she's skinny, medium, or, 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 you know, big, but I prefer an hourglass shape. And if I got to have one thing more than anything else, I got to have a big ass. You know, that's Tony there, right? So I know this already. <laughs> but but I've seen women with with tremendous tits, flat ass, and I'm looking at it like, oh, my God. You know, like, like wow, because in the area of boobs, she's, she's you know, uh, a 10 in the area of boobs. How am I supposed to not see that? And see, that's the first part. But the second part is all of y'all, every single one of you women are experts at getting our attention. Y'all live to get our attention. Y'all are good at it, but practice at it. That shit ain't fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, then just, and then we're supposed to ignore that? Come on. That ain't right. You know, y'all put on, y'all put it on the equivalent of salmon, burgers, you know, pizza and beer on your body. And then we're supposed to, like, not be hungry? Come on. That ain't fair. That just, it's just not fair. Sorry. We, listen, we will be loyal to you, but please don't expect me to not notice that this woman got the ass of God on her. Yeah, please. Don't, it's not fair. It's a, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Please. Because. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, okay. I'll, I'll pick it up with God. I'll pick it up with God. We'll work it out. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what I want you to know is that, see, is a difference between a guy noticing and being, like, amazed? Because, like, it's, like, when a guy looks at a woman and he's amazed by her look, it's, it's, it's at the DNA level. It's not, a, it's not an intellectual thought, right? It's at the DNA level. His, his breath would be taken away before he even realizes that he saw her almost, in some cases, right? But now what's he going to do about it is a different story. See, yeah. that's, that's the thing. So, like, like, the girl that I was telling you about that had sex with me because she was mad, she didn't want to be mad anymore, she didn't want to damage the relationship, her attitude, she was great. Her attitude was like, yeah, she's cute. That's all right. I know you with me. <laughs> she's like, her attitude was, I know you're going to save the last dance for me. You ever heard that song, Save the Last Dance for Me? Yeah. I know, right. I'm just, I, I've never, in all this time, I've never been, I've never seen him look at anyone else, so it's going to be, I, I'm, I dated a guy, we went to Vegas, and there were, like, pole dancers, and he was watching and watching, and I already felt detached from him for many reasons, we got into a fight, and then he was looking at this picture of Shania Twain, and this big blown-up picture as we were driving to our hotel in this van, and he's like, gosh, I would love that picture on my wall, I mean, he was really inappropriate, I mean, he didn't make me mm. feel cherished and right. adored, but he's not the right guy. But then, so that was on top of that. And then he's watching this, and I got jealous. I was like, I got triggered. Um, mm. And I was, I was drinking. I mean, not that that might make me have to be aware of that. Because, I mean, even the smallest amount of alcohol can make the ego more um, susceptible to attacking mm. us with a tax box. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so. So yeah. yeah, one question I have about the date when when I 
started to well up, and he said, because he said he was, like, really um, uh, in a haze, and I said, and he said, um, you don't do that with your patients, do you? Is that, was he being mean? I mean, like, he was deflecting, right? He was uncomfortable, so he's, like, putting it say back it, on me. Say it, say it he, said, he, go, he said, that's not what you do to your patients, is it? Or is that not, that's not what you do with your patients? Something like that. He didn't say it in a mean way. He's, I don't see him as mean, but it was kind of a little bit, I want to forgive him. I mean, I do forgive him, but I want to get complete about it. Hmm. Well, I think how he was relating to you is how Landmark expects introduction leaders to relate to the people who they interact with in the introduction. Like, you know, you're supposed to operate at a certain standard, I think, and I think that's what he was saying in an impersonal way, not personal, right? For whatever reason. And, um, um, you know, so, like, for me, I'll just, this is, you know, personal. This and $2.50 will get you and me on the subway. Will get me on the subway. I don't mind both of us, right? So, yeah. um, so there are some people that, um, uh, that are at Landmark that are staff members that make me wonder because they're not a match for their job, for the commitment that Landmark <laughs> is and for their programs, you know what I'm saying? And I'm watching right. and they don't know that. So, you know, if you did something that he would think that a psychologist would do, whatever his vision of a psychologist is, uh, and you were not doing that, then he would ask that, but it would be from the, the, from the level of distinction as opposed to from the level of personality. So is he trying to help me out? Because, I mean, it well, kind I don't, of... maybe. Maybe because that, that that you know that I don't know him, so I can't say if he's trying to help you out or not. I don't know what his context for operating is. I'm only hearing you know what you see and hear from him and your interaction with him. I can't tell you from him. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't say one way or the other. Not not authentically, you know. I mean, maybe he was trying to remind me to be my best self. I I don't know. I'd uh, like to think that. Okay, well, then, you know what? That's a good place to go because in the absence of reality, an empowering context works. Yeah, because you don't know reality, his reality. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what he's thinking. So, like, you know, give yourself permission to have an empowering context around it and give the relationship a chance. And give myself permission to be for my humanity, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, because even if he was saying it as being snarky, you know, (laughs) People say snarky things. Are you going to kill the relationship because he said something snarky? Yeah. You I could be annoyed. Be little, I think he might be a little snarky. That might. I, I was. I. I think there might be something. I think it's going to come out more. I might. I'm sensitive, so I have to. I have to watch out for that. He's never really pushed me to the place that hmm. I felt upset, but I know. I know my triggers. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Good. So. All right, good, 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 good. Um, so that's what this list is going to be. And, and again, I, I know you wrote it down. I'm still going to email it to you anyhow for whatever reason, right? So, um, sorry. Right, so let me just go through the rest of this. It'll, it'll be uh, do, do the best I can. I got a call at twelve. We can go, you know, a little later than it's like eleven twenty three, eleven twenty four right now. So, you know, if you're okay with going till uh, I'm going to say another twenty minutes or so, does uh, that yeah. work for you? Or? Okay. Yes, it does. Thank you. Good. Um, all right, so I'm just going to read you what I wrote, you know, as part of my manual here. Men don't think the way women do. 
men are not women and women are not men. However, um, it's unthinkable the way men think to women, and it's unthinkable the way women think to men. The only way to begin seeing why men do things is by putting yourself in their shoes and stop comparing their ways of thinking and acting to your ways of thinking and acting. Be an anthropologist, Jane Goodall, right? And just watch men without story, judgment, or anything else, um, but uh, to observe and let your observations speak for themselves. It may seem difficult at first, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be asking it uh, to yourself, and uh, the better you'll be at recognizing you know, your answers by just watching them. By the way, uh, I have a question for you. I want you to write this question down. You ready? Okay. This is a question that you're going to ask yourself every time you bump up against, why did he do that? Um, so the question is, what must he be thinking that had him feel that what he just said or did was okay? I think he's taking this, you're writing this down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We say it again. What must he be thinking that had him feel that what he just said or did was okay? Mm-hmm. This is a powerful question because it, it makes you start um, understanding. Put yourself in their shoes, yeah. Right, put yourself in their shoes, right? So um, it... When I talked about principles on that recording, I want to touch on that, and then we'll talk about it down the road a little bit more in depth. Um, we live by principles, not values, even though um, you know, people, people value the principles that they choose, but the principles are there whether you value them or not. So a principle in reality is what Landmark would call your possibility. So who I am is the possibility of abundance, generosity, and peace. All of those are principles. They're impersonal, um, non-alterable principles that existed before humanity came around. It's what gives us our being as human beings and will continue to exist long after this planet is no longer in existence because they're permanent aspects of the creator or whatever, but they're like radio stations, and inside of being peaceful, you have outcomes that you can predict as a result of peace because peace produces certain outcomes or it allows for certain outcomes to happen. So, you know, peace or anger or love or insecurity, all of these are things that drive who we're being and... um those principles give us our being. We're never not being something, human beings. And so we're living inside of a principle at all times, whether we know it or not, whether we select it consciously or not. And so the more you understand the nature of principles, the more you'll understand humanity on an individual as well as on a global basis. Okay. So if you understand what principles you live your life by, you'll it'll make it so much easier for you to see the principles everyone else lives their life by. Mm-hmm. 
So I live my life by a few principles, love, curiosity, generosity, enlightenment, um, um, doing complete work. Um, I've got a few. And I use them to produce results, uh, come from an empowering context. I use them to produce results and also to help me um, to see myself and others and to see when people are not living by those principles. So I don't have a, so for example, I don't have a problem with commitment whatsoever. I, you know, I, I'll be happy to commit. So it's easy for me to see somebody that can't or doesn't or doesn't have an understanding around it. You know, I'm self-expressed for the most part 95% of the time unless I'm scared of me to angry and then I don't, and then I'll shut down because I just don't want to blow people up, you know. Uh, but I can recognize when somebody else is fully self-expressed or when they're not. You know, I'm coming from love. So I can, I can, I can recognize when somebody's coming from love or not. You know, how it looks like, whether they're even talking about it. Even if they're angry, they're still being loving about it. So I can see all of these things because those principles have their own fingerprint, signature. I totally totally got it. Yeah, it's, like, funny. (laughs) It's really obvious when you're clear. Like, mine are love, contribution, vitality, and joy. And, like, when people post things on Facebook and they're, like, they're, like, complaining or I don't know. The, um, yeah, it's like very clear to me. It stands out. Or when they're all love, like they're like-minded, it's clear to me too. Yeah. So the more you understand principles, and, and down the road I'm going to give you a list of principles uh, to look at um, so you can have them present for yourself. Um, the more you have that, the more you'll be able to recognize who men are. You won't drive yourself crazy asking yourself questions and overanalyzing and all that other stuff. You just won't have to. Um, and by the way, that question, what must he be thinking that made him feel that what he just said or did was okay, right? So we think first, then we have a feeling based on our thought. Like we have a reaction, we have a thought, and then we feel something based on that thought. And then... You um, do you something. Know, yeah, then you do something, right. So um, um, you don't want to ask him this question. You want to ask yourself the question and then let the answer come to you. Mm-hmm. Watch for the answer. Don't force it because it may not come immediately, which is why you need to be patient. You may not get the answer right away. Another thing is the more you learn from asking this question, the more you'll like the question. Ask yourself the question more and more, and the more you'll fall in love with men because you'll see who they really are. You'll end up thinking at some point that God had a really great idea when he created men. <laughs> I asked him, so, after I yeah. asked him all those questions about whether he played with anyone else and all that, he, I said, Does it, did it make you uncomfortable that I asked those questions? And he's like, no, why would it make me uncomfortable? <laughs> but I, like, just wanted to check in because that was my big fear, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well follow your intuition and then, you know, if you make some mistakes, you just learn from the mistakes. But follow your intuition. What the heck? You know, that's what it's there for, you know? But he's like an alpha male, so I, I don't know that. Maybe, no, I think they speak the truth. Like, so he met, it really didn't make him uncomfortable. But I think, like, that's how an alpha male would answer anyway, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, likely. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. But likely, you know. So, um, so okay, got it. So now, um, I, I didn't talk about... I don't remember if I talked about how how, uh, how women qualify men. I think I did talk about how men qualify women. Yeah, you did that on the 
on the on the audio I listened to. Yeah, okay, great. Started. So I just run I just run through it again. So um with how Yeah, so uh how women's uh, confidence, um safety, yep. security, um actually forget the rest, but they all need sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um I'll tell you there's primary and then there's secondary. Like for some women the secondaries are primary, but not for every woman. The primary, every woman. And then secondary is there are some women that are like, I got to have that one, but not all women, right? So the primary. Funny, funny. Yeah, that's one of them, yeah. Um, the the uh, the primary ones, uh, when I say them, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I promise you will. Uh, strong. There's chemistry. He's confident. Has resources. Is trustworthy. Provides safety and security. Is funny and is a good communicator. All women want all of that. <laughs> what I've yeah. noticed is that, and what I've noticed is that if a woman sees that the guy's got at least three of those, chemistry included in the three of those, yeah, and chances, chances are she's going to forget everything else and try to get him, keep him. Yeah, she's, she's trying to bring that deer home for eating. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, <laughs> and. Um, and then that, that's that's the primary. And if she sees all of that, oh my God, she's gonna lost her mind that he's the one at the end of it. And and why isn't he catching up and taking a hit and doing what she wants to do, right? So uh, then there's the secondary list, which is some women need it, but you know some women can deal with it one way or the other, and some don't care one way or the other about it. But anyhow, secondary list is that he's romantic, intelligent, great at something, passionate. Attractive, you know, handsome, cute, whatever, and fit and in shape. Now, not all women need that. They all like it, but don't, not all women need it. But all women need the first list for sure. <laughs> like, ah, uh-uh, no, he ain't a good communicator. Screw that. That was just gonna drive me crazy. Or you'll try to fix him until he's a good communicator. You know. Where does the mostly um, available fall in um, safety, security? I suppose, yeah, trustworthy. Safety and security, I suppose. Um, yeah, put it in there. Uh, here's what men want. Men want, uh, here's what men, how men qualify. We don't even know we're qualifying, but here's what we want. And, and our list is easier than yours, believe it or not. Um, it's not yeah, like Dean said, Dean says he just knows. He asked me what, what mine were, and I said, like, you have to have this shit together and um, – I said chemistry, and I said um, emotionally available. I said I'm not always good at that. <laughs> and I wasn't even talking about him. And then um, I said they have to basically have a total package. And then he, I said, how about you? And he said, I just know. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's probably because he knows himself very well. He does. Uh, but guys, yeah, but guys, guys are pretty good at being able to tell whether it's going to work or not. Uh, and then they decided how long they want to put up with a relationship that don't work. It, that depends yeah. on how good the sex is for most guys. Um, unfortunately, that's how that goes. So, but now, here's how men qualify women. Here's the list, and our list is shorter, and we don't have a secondary list. So, uh, in no particular order, even though it looks like it's in a particular order, it is sex, attention. Men love a woman's attention. Uh, y'all have this way of looking at us like babies look at their mommies. It's great. It's so amazing. 
um, acceptance. Um, we want to be accepted. Uh, we want you to be attractive. Um, and some guys like big fat women. So, you know, attractive is depends on the man, right? I'd be in the eye to behold it, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, attractiveness, an emotionally safe space, and to be treated the way he wants to be, he wants to be treated. That's going to be hard. Uh, that's an interesting one for me. Yes, I got it. So the understanding man is going to help you to treat him the way he wants to be treated because when you can see him for who he really is with that list that I gave you, uh, that I talked to you about that you're getting, you'll be getting, um, then you'll learn because you'll be Jane Goodall looking at what works and what doesn't. He likes peanuts. He doesn't like squirrels. <laughs> like, you know, it'd be hard to catch um, – you know, fish with marshmallows on the end of the hook. You know, you just you got to bait the hook to suit the fish. So you got to figure out what fish it is and what bait this fish likes, and you start giving it to him, and that's how that's going to work out. So I sort of, I sort of, I sort of stopped. Like, I don't really text him a lot, and normally I would. I'm like a big texter, lots of emotion. Ex, you know, I just don't because I know he's busy, and I don't know. I just let him come to me, but I I could give him all kinds of attention, but I just I kind of, like, haven't. <laughs> it's no, weird. It's the attention that works for him is what it is. So, But I don't know. Maybe he but, would like that more, but he doesn't. I just kind of, because of the grief, I was kind of letting him come to me. But I don't yeah. know if I should put that in, if he would like that more. All right. Well, then, let me give you a, a, a context that might support you around this. So, uh, you know, you're, you're not a parent, but kids teach parents. Because a baby will cry until right. mommy figures out what the baby needs. So a baby will cry because the baby don't have no words. And then, you know, you change their diaper, they're still crying. And then you give them food, they're still crying. And then you pick them up and they burp and you're still crying until the burp comes out. And then they're like, ah, okay, good. And, uh, and then next time, you know, maybe you start with the burp, try the thing first, you know. And then, you know, you try to change their diaper, right? And then, you know, you feed them, right? And they still mm-hmm. like, Ugh. and then you find out later they just wanted to play, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so so, babies teach uh, mommies and daddies how to, to raise them because it's almost as if after a while, I mean, because I got two, two grown daughters now, right? But I remember when they was babies. It's almost as if they they sound a certain way when they want a certain type of thing, and then they cry. It sounds a little bit different when they want something else. I swear to God, it's amazing. Like the cry sounds different for food than it does for burping, than it does for diaper, than it does for play. I swear to God, it's like different kind of screams, even though you would not necessarily know it unless you know that baby. You know what I mean? And so they teach you. And so if you look at men the same way. You just keep doing stuff until you see what works. You got to be like Thomas Edison. So, you know, you're not going to necessarily know it. You just try to figure out and, and get through the mistakes as quick as possible so you get to the result as soon as possible, you know, uh, without making yourself wrong. And if he's patient, which it sounds like he's kind of patient, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could work. So um, um, treating him I, the way he wants to be treated is, is critical, though. Okay. Um, another fear I have is that because I'm very, very maternal, um, but I, I think that guys don't want a mom. Um, like they don't want to be mothered. Is that true? Yes. So what does that yeah. mean? Like what does that look like? So, so. Because I'm so maternal, I can't separate it from who I am. It's kind of hard. 
between, the difference between mothering and fathering is that a mother will protect from safety and security, check, protect the people around them and make sure that they're safe and they feel good. And a father won't worry about whether they feel good or not because he's too concerned with them being able to succeed in life. So wow, that's interesting because his mom died when he was 10 and his dad let him do he, whatever he wanted. His dad worked the night shift and Gene would travel like at age like 10, 10 to 15, or I think more like 15, he would travel out of the country and places because his dad worked for the airlines, but he was unsupervised and was a very smart kid who um, got into, you know, not like legal trouble, but kept his parents on their toes and lost his mom when he was 10. So um, his father, that that being that he was largely raised by his father after that, that's interesting. Yeah, so, so yeah. So, so don't worry about him. So don't worry about him. Like when he's grieving, don't right. worry about him. Um, right, because you're, you're worrying about him. What that communicates is you don't trust him. Way. Yeah, and that's you don't you don't you don't trust him. He's not good enough. You're telling him he might fail, and now you're yep. in a, you know, so you can't go there. Yeah, I can't emasculate him. No. Right, right, right. He won't look at it as emasculation, though you might be emasculating him. He'll be looking at it like he he. You don't think he's good enough. Yeah. You don't think he's successful. And that's the last. That's the absolute. You you can stop having sex before you could stop having him feel like he's successful, even though stop having sex would put me in telling him he's not successful either. You know what I mean? But to yeah. just say you suck, you're a loser is about the worst thing a woman can say to a guy about, pretty much. Yeah. You know, and every nagging complaint is saying that in some way, shape, or form. But especially, like if you don't trust he has the capacity to be successful, then you're talking the wrong language. No, I totally trust him. I just I think I felt help, I felt helpless and sad when he was, and like oh shit. <laughs> so I just was caught off guard. I was it was a, a weak moment. <laughs> gotcha. So here's what happens when you have that the checklist that I was just sharing, here's what you can't see with the checklist. You can't see if he's a you know, um whether or not he's good for you because um, you won't know what the problem is. You won't know if he's got issues with our commitment, honesty, if his life, he doesn't have a life purpose, if he's not self-expressed if it, or his self-expression is off. You won't know if, what dysfunctions he has. You won't know what things you're going to want to fix. You won't know what his deal breakers, if he's got any of your deal breakers. You won't know if he satisfies all of your must-haves, what quirks he has, impact of past experiences on him whether he's short-sighted or not, um, you know, whether he resigned is cynical, you won't know that right off the top. Um, and then, you know, definitely you won't understand the impact of uh, of a lack of understanding the differences between gender is. You know, like men don't understand women no more than women understand that, that, that women understand men. Problem is the only difference between us and, and y'all is we know we don't understand you and we don't let it bother us. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, we're like, we're like, I don't know how to fix that. I'm going over here. That's, that's what we do. We like, we ain't gonna, we don't know how to fix her. We can't, and so we're gonna let her do her thing. As long as she lets us do on, I'll be happy. If she smiles at me, we have sex. You know, she lets me know she loves me. 
and um, she don't beat me up too bad, you know, she can do whatever she wants, man. I ain't trying to figure it out. Too fucking complicated for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's how we are. We're hands off. We are. We're like, nah. We're going to fail that one. Forget it. <laughs> That's how we are. Y'all are not that way. Y'all are like, Oh, my God, y'all treat us like we're Ken doll, man. Y'all try to figure us out, sit us down and stand us up. And how come we're not doing this, drink more tea? Like, you know, that's how it is. And we're and we're acting like a Ken doll. We just stand there and look at you because we, we don't know what to do. Listen, even the players know better than to mess with y'all. But so much, we, we talk to you and get sex and then run away because we're like, man, it's too complicated now. I don't even know what to do here, but... I'm going to go give me some sex and make her feel good, then uh, I'm going to run away before I get hurt. And that's how they play, you know. So, <laughs> You know, so um, that's our attitude. Oh. We're like, we're hands off because we figure that's the safest way to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you don't know what a cat's going to do, right? Cat walking around, you know, if a cat's going to hug you or scratch you, right? You don't know, right? So you just like kind of let the cat do his thing, right? That's how we got. That's how we got. That's how we got to be with y'all. I swear to God. Like. <laughs> so anyhow, um, that pretty much covers this. Um, trying to decide, do I want to give you an assignment or not? Um, <laughs> um yeah. So you you're gonna have two assignments. Okay. Uh, the first assignment is what I had said before with the list that I'm gonna send you. Um, which ones do you know you're going to have to go to work on it? And you might as well say why as well. Um, and then um, uh, after um, um, listening to everything you've heard here um, and all of your life experiences, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self if you can go back in the past? Mm. Cool. Yeah. You know, you're just sitting here now. About about here. about relationships or everything. Yeah, yeah, about relationships. But you know, whatever applies, because if it's something that's outside of relationships that affects relationships, put that in too. You know. Okay. But you know, we, we talk about relationships, so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So um, let's say Thursdays at 10 a.m. is our regular scheduled time. Does that work for you? Yes. Okay, great. And then uh, so I'm going to say that this assignment will be for then. Uh, but I want you to I, – I, I I'd like for you to – let me see, today's Thursday. So I'd like for you to finish it by Sunday, and here's why. One, I get a chance to, to read it. Two, you get a chance to get present to it. But three, after you get present to it and you do the assignment, what will happen is you'll start seeing stuff between finishing the assignment and our next call. Well, you know, we'll talk sometime between now and then anyhow, right, because we can do it two calls a week. I don't I'll, know finish we'll, by, I'll, I'll finish by Saturday because I want to be empowered to my date. <laughs> awesome. Okay, great. So, so, um, so, but the second reason why, the third reason why is because I want you to, have those new thoughts affect you rather than just doing them because it's assignments for you. It ain't for me. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. so the more the more clearly you are with yourself, the more you'll benefit from it. 
if, you know, one of the things I learned is that um, every new awareness improves or upgrades everything else you've already known by anywhere from 10 to 50%. Yeah. Give you an example, give you an example of what I mean. You know, when you learn how to drive, you know, it improves your life by as much as 50%, even though nothing else changes. You just added this one thing, but now driving gives you more freedom. You know, it gives you, you know, opportunities to make more income, you know, gives you self-more, self-confidence. It does all of those things. It makes you more effective in so many different ways, even though nothing changed except for you learn how to drive or you got a car now, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, learning, you know, how to uh, be patient with men will give you so much more than just learn how to be patient with men. But if you don't see it, then you won't be able to apply it. So I want, you know, I, I want you to get the lessons and live with the lessons before you get more lessons. Okay. All right, so that's why. And, and you know, you'll do Saturday, it's fine. So when do you want to talk between now and Thursday? You want to talk Sunday? You want to talk Monday? You tell me. Um, it, and we have to, we're scheduling it, right? Well, uh, yeah, just for this one. Now, we don't have to be, it don't have to be the one we always do. Uh, we're going to lock in on Thursday, and then we'll be flexible with what you want to, you know, when you want to talk the second the second call. Um, um, yeah. I think. Uh, let's see. How about Monday at 10? 10 a.m. Um, okay. All right, that works. Um, and then I'm also going to give you access to, um, you know, the other series. Um, a series I had two ladies together, uh, two two black women. Man, they were they were pulling this stuff out of me like you have no idea. That's why I really want you to listen to it. Cool. They were like, I need to know this stuff, and and there wasn't nasty about it at all. They were so intentional. One of them was shy. One of them was completely self-expressed. They're best friends, and um, you know their life and their experiences, relationships is vastly different from yours. But the kind of questions they were bringing and their attentions and all of that stuff is, is different enough so that you can hear the same material in a new way. So yeah. that's why I really want you to have it because, you know, the freedom that you're going to get from having all of this stuff, forget about relationships, how it's going to affect your your, uh, your career and, and, and the people around you and all of that, and, and even just you. Is to me, it's inspiring. So, because um, I'll be I'm, in, I'll be in the know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Walking yeah, around it, in it, the know. Like, yeah, know. yeah. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen because you, you know, you determine <laughs> what's happening. It's awesome, you know. And um, last thing I'm going to say is, um, uh, thank you um, for allowing me to to work with you and to make a difference with you because um, I'm honored to be of service to you. I'm, I'm really. Um, you know, I know that you, I've seen you as someone who's um, uh, sometimes reluctant to um, to do things or to settle in or whatever. So the level of trust that you must have had to create for yourself to work with me uh, uh, tells me a lot about me to you, and I'm honored. So I want you to know that. I take this extremely seriously. So um, I just, <laughs> just want to thank you. I want to communicate that to you and make sure you got it. and. Um, that's all I got. Anything you want to say in closing? I got it. Thank you so much. I feel empowered already and um and excited to just like I don't know, have fun. <laughs> okay. Know? Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> love love it, love it, love it. I look forward to doing the assignment, so you can expect that by Saturday. 
for my yeah. Valentine's Day date. <laughs> yeah, 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 that'd be awesome. So love it, love it, love it. I'll send this to you right this minute. It looks like my oh my home internet service is back on. Damn it, about time. So uh, let me go ahead on that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be talking on Monday. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Talk to you. All right. Talk to you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.